Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, it's a little bit after the hour. Good morning, everyone. This show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson in Big Al Clopine sitting in here. Um, hopefully you're enjoying your weekend this far. Got, I don't know, a bunch of different things that we can go through, Alan. Yes, I do too, Joe. I guess, this, I guess we call this our smorgasbord show. Yes, sir. I read this article about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> you are the epitome of preparation for these shows. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting. Okay. Um, this is uh, John Wasick. He's been on our show before. I, I honestly don't remember him, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's been several years. Yeah. And um, he wrote an article in Forbes, and he said, three reasons to ignore Clinton or Trump um, when it comes to economic promises. Really? That's We're getting into politics a little bit, huh? Well, I think, I mean, the election's right around the corner. And I think a lot of individuals um, are curious, you know, and they ask us. Yes. Well, what's going to happen if so-and-so gets in the office and what's going to happen if the other candidate gets in the office? Right. Right? Sure. They, we, you're right. We do get that question. And then we had Larry Swedrow on. Remember what? And then his synopsis is that... If, um, you know, depending on what party that you vote for, right? So if a Republican gets in, those individuals will load up more on stocks. And if a Democrat gets in, well, then if you're a Democrat, then you will load up more on stocks because your party won and you will feel that the yeah, the economic more, landscape is going to be more robust yeah, than if the other party favorite. got in. Sure, okay. All and right, uh, that's been... That. Uh, proven, um, and I'm not. And don't quote me on what the source is, but I've heard it multiple times, and I always From ignored Swindra. the source. <laughs> and I, I was in Hawaii that weekend, so I didn't hear that. And I think that there, there's some valid to his points in a sense because you feel more comfortable. Because a lot of things with investing, it's all based on behavior anyway. You know what I mean? That is. It's true. just like when when things get bad, people get out of the markets. When things are up, people get into the markets and you know buy low, sell high. But no one does that. We do the opposite because of recency bias and all other sorts of things with the whole behavioral finance um, th- wow. th- that we're in, right? That, yes, that... agreed. That's behavioral finance one hundred and one in twenty six seconds. There you go. <laughs> so, but here's here's his point, right? He's like, you know, um, I was recently asked to write a piece on. How Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump will impact the U.S. economy and markets. Uh, He declined to write that article. So he wrote this one instead. And um, here's his point. His point is this, is that the president doesn't control the Federal Reserve System. Okay, The way the Fed was set up, it's quasi-independent. It answers to Congress on monetary policy, that is, setting interest rates and attempting to generate full employment. Presidents can bully the Fed, but they can't set central bank policy. Okay. Right? So if Trump gets in or Hillary gets in, I mean, I guess they don't necessarily control the Fed. And right now, the Fed is having, in my opinion, a a pretty significant impact on the overall markets because of how they're doing, you know, um, low interest rates. Sure. You know, QE1, QE2, operation twist. That is interesting. And, And that is a correct statement that the Fed is not controlled 
uh, by the, the, the Federal Reserve Board, I should say, is not controlled by the president. So, okay, I'll buy that point. Because if you look now, and, and some people will say that the market is artificially inflated because of the Fed buying you know, treasuries to keep interest rates artificially low. Because right. if I have low interest rates in my you know, treasury um, bonds, well, I'm not getting anything on that. Ten-year treasury is a point and a half, and it's like, well, I need a little bit more interest than that to provide a lifestyle. If I'm retired, I need interest payments or income payments. Right. So where do I go? I have to go to the stock market to try to get a higher rate of return. All right, so that spurs buying in the overall stock market. And then if people are buying more stocks, what does that do to price? It brings price up. So um, so that's one reason why if a president gets in. Okay. Because it's still the bond market's game, um, not the politicians who rule the roost. It's all about the cost of money. Forget about the stock market and candidates promised on tax rates, jobs, or economic growth. If there's a downturn in the domestic or global economy, then bond yields will fall lower. Right now, the competition between stocks and bonds is the sweet spot. You really can't make any money owning bonds, so stocks offer better returns. Wow, look at that. Yeah, that's... Just took the words right out of my mouth. Rocket science, yes. Okay. And then, uh, presidents can't control corporate earnings. Right? So most big corporations are global entities. If they're profitable, their their shareholders prosper. If not... It's bad news around the world. So there's no point in predicting whether there will be a Trump rally or a Clinton sell-off or vice versa. Corporate quarterly earnings have no relation to national elections in the U.S. Little will change unless huge trade agreements are voided, and that's unlikely since corporations can do more business with them in place. So that's just a little synopsis of this article. You can go to Forbes and read the whole thing. But I think people waste a lot of time Thinking, all right, well, should I get into the market now? Should I get out of the market? Who's leading in the polls? Okay, well, right now, um, is Hillary leading in the polls? Well, well, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to get out of the market because what this is going to be is Obama, Obama part three. Sure. You know, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Trump's getting in. Well, man, if Trump gets in, there's no way he's going to blow things up. I mean, whatever your opinions are. Right. right. Not, but that's where people will react to this election, and they'll probably make the wrong moves at the wrong time. Once again, yeah, I, I agree with that, Joe. And you could you just go back four years, right? Remember the see, fiscal cliff and everything yeah. else with, with right, right, right. If, yeah, so if it, Obama gets elected again, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And the market's been pretty good. Not saying yeah. that we're Democrat or Republican, it, it, it makes no difference. And as a matter of fact, I mean, to, to throw a little bit more information, so I think 2012 was the year that the uh, T bill got downgraded, sure. And then it was like, gosh, Obama might win again. And the fiscal cliff, you guys remember what that was? Tax rates were going to go up at the same time government spending was going to go down. Right. Extra was due to expire. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to expire in 2010. They gave us a two-year reprieve. So at the end of 2012, that's when the Bush tax cuts were right. going to expire. So then we were going to go back to tax rates back in 2000. Yeah, exactly. And that's uh, and so a lot of people, we talked to you guys back then, a lot of people got out of the market because they were so concerned about the future. And they would say the same thing over and over again, Joe, ow. You don't understand. This is different. Different times here. This is unprecedented. we got to get out. And uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but 2013 was actually a great year for the stock market, right? The year, you know, the year after. And also, remember at that time, uh, the, uh, the European Commonwealth was having big problems. Greece and, you know, some of those countries, Italy, Spain, yep. Portugal, yep. the pig, pigs yep. countries. Uh-huh. They were going to pull the whole world economy down. And, a lot, they, and the corollary to that is people said, well, all right, maybe I'll stay in the U.S. market. Joe and Al, I don't want any the international, stocks, especially right. European. And it turns out European stocks beat 
any other index in 2013. And so you're thinking, how could that possibly be? And I give you the answer in, in Investing 101, which is this. Stocks are... Are, are priced based upon future predictions of what we all think the future is going to be. So in other words, if a European company that's in a European country, if we think Greece, Italy, Spain, Portugal is going to bring down that commonwealth in a significant manner, then we're going to assume that corporate profits are going to be low and the stock price will suffer well before it actually before we know what happens. In other right. words, my point is that, that all this is priced into the market, and then what happens is... In when the information yeah. is released, then right. the price reacts. Yeah, in 2013, it actually was terrible in, in Europe and European companies, but it wasn't as bad as it's we just, thought. It, and as a consequence, the, the, that index, that class of, of stocks, was the best of any other in the, in the world, European companies. And that's what's interesting about stocks. You can't say that this sector is no good, so I'm not going to I'm not going to invest in it. You 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 really want to make sure that you invest in all sectors and all asset classes because everything is already priced in. You don't know anything more than anyone else does, and that's the whole point. Right. I mean, it's not news, right? It's good. I mean, people say, "Well, this is really bad news." So with that bad news, I need to react. Um, the, the the trick is with investing is is the news bad or good? It doesn't matter. Is it as good or as bad as expected? Right. And once you hear this bad news, well, the stock market has already reacted. Right. It always. Uh, it always overreacts. It does, right? yes. And then so then when the dust settles, when the information is actually released, then it's like, well, maybe this wasn't as bad as expected. And then what happens to stocks? They go up. But by most instances, us individual investors are too late to right. the party, right? The price has already went up, and then we're still hearing the bad news. And so we're not getting in because of still all the bad news. But then the bad news is not as bad as expected. And it's like, well, how the heck do you play this game? Right? Because it's it's against conventional wisdom. Right. right? And then you, you hear people, well, here, I'm just going to buy really good companies that are very profitable. Well, those really good companies have a lower expected return than bad companies. Yeah, and they're priced high because they're good companies. <laughs> right. So your rate of return expected will be lower. Right. And then now it's like, okay, well, here, I need dividend-paying stocks because I need income. And then when you take a look at that, it's like, okay, well, everyone else needs income, too, because you got 10,000 baby boomers every day needs income. Right. And so what are they? doing to the, the so it's very very difficult to kind of play that game of that traditional view of investing it's like man if i could just learn a little bit more if i could get a little bit more educated on all of this i could get an edge up on the overall markets it's very very difficult to do that i'm not saying it's impossible but i think there's a better way to do it you just want to make sure that you look at a globally diversified portfolio and have all the stocks but then it's how you position those stocks of percentage wise you know how much money you have in international versus U.S. How much do you have in small versus large, and and so on and so forth. So, and that's all based on your goals and what target rate of return that you need. All right, uh, we went over here a little bit. If you want more information about us, go to purefinancial.com. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner with Mr. Alan Klopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully enjoying your weekend. You got a quiz for me. I do, Joe. And it, it turns out that uh, there's different ages where certain uh, financial planning, tax planning, uh, or it makes a difference. Certain ages that you can do things that you couldn't before. 
And for our listeners, I want to review those ages. And, and for your benefit, Joe, I'm just going to ask you the age and see if you can come up with why it's important when it comes to retirement planning. So, uh, so he, there's certain ages that have better tax benefits than other ages? Uh, yes. Uh, let me start, and you, you'll, you'll catch along. All right, let's see. So what happens when you turn age 50? What happens when I turn age 50? Well, yeah. I'm probably 15 years from retirement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what? I could do a catch-up contribution. Yes, that's uh, what I'm a, getting at. Oh, I got it. Uh, catch-up contribution to a 401k plan and IRAs. So uh, the limit, if you're under 50, uh, for let's just start with an IRA, is 5500 bucks. Okay, so I can put 5500 bucks in my IRA. If, IRA, Roth if, IRA. Yeah, if I have earned income or, you, or my spouse. Correct. And then if you're over 50, then you can do a $1,000 catch-up um, if you are in a 401k plan or employer sponsored plan, uh, then that's 18,000. And then there's a catch up to get to 24,000. 24,000. So the moment you turn 50, you can put more into your retirement plans. Correct. And then that could give you a better tax benefit uh, via deduction because you can shelter more money via tax or you could um, have more money grow tax-free, you know, depending on what the planning that you're looking at doing. Right, because you can, in, in some cases, make a Roth contribution. Right. And there's phase-outs there. And the phase-outs, if you're married, you have to make less than 184000 because there's a, by the time you make 194000 you can't do a Roth contribution anymore. And single, is it 116? 116 to 132. 132 or 131. I can't remember. But anyway, it's in that range. If you make less than 116000 as a single taxpayer, you can do a Roth contribution, $5,500 uh, if you're under 50 and $6,500 if you're over 50. A lot of people forget to adjust their 401k when they're 50 because they can do an extra $6,000. Don't forget that. And also realize that it's not automatic. There's there's Most employers have the regular 401k and the catch-up one, and you have to have a percentage going to both. Right. Right? You can't just say, I want more in my regular. You have to have you have to do the catch-up one separately. Yeah, and, and here's some confusion here, too, that people think that the catch-up is like a different investment, too, where I see people will put, well, here, I got 4% going in the regular, then I got a 2% going in the catch-up. Yeah. I'm like, well, right. why are you doing that? That's only $6,000 total. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, the only reason why you would want to do the catch-up is to do the additional $6,000. The catch-up is not like an additional... Um, you know, pool of money. Right. The catch-up is just allowing you, if you're over 50 years old, to put that additional sixty thousand or six thousand dollars in the same investments that you currently have within your 401k. It's just an election that you have to pick on your 401k plan to make sure that you can fully fund the twenty-four thousand. Sure, agreed. So, what happens when you turn age 55? You can take distributions from your 401k plan. Um, Correct. Without a 10% penalty. A lot of people don't realize this. Yeah, I'd say many, most probably. So if you're separated from service from your employer um, at 55, then there's no 10% penalty on those distributions from those accounts. So if you retire at 55, if you're fortunate enough to do that, um, you can take distributions from your 401k plan without the 10% penalty. If you roll it into an IRA and take distributions at 55, then that would be subject to the 10% penalty. So do not roll the money into an IRA if you're looking at taking distributions anywhere from age 55 to 60 or 59 and a half 
keep it in the 401k plan. That would avoid any 10% penalties. Yeah. Once you roll it to the IRA, then that's when you get it. That, that's a good point, Joe, because, I mean, let's say you retire at 55, and you're so you're retiring earlier than many, mm-hmm. and but you need access to that 401k account. You certainly don't want to roll that to an IRA because now you got to pay a penalty on top of taxes. And realize this. Anytime you pull money out of a 401k or IRA, you have to pay income taxes, federal and state. Right. What we're talking about is avoiding the 10% federal penalty and, by the way, there's a 2.5% California penalty by taking the money out early. The only way around not paying tax on distributions from a 401k plan is that if you have after-tax dollars within that 401k plan, uh, so those dollars would come out tax-free, but then it's pro rata. So if you do have after-tax dollars in your 401k plan, you would want to roll those directly into a Roth IRA, and you would have access to that tax-free as long as you had a Roth IRA established for five years. So for a lot of you that don't have a Roth IRA, I would get one this year because there's this five-year clock within the Roth IRA, and I think people get confused there too. Any contribution dollar into a Roth IRA is immediately available, no matter what your age is. There is no 10% penalty there either. I'm 40 years old. I put $5,000 into my Roth IRA. I'm 42 years old. I need that $5,000. I can always pull those contributions out. No taxes, no penalties, because it's an after-tax contribution. The earnings need to season in the Roth IRA for five years or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So let's say if you're 65... You put the $5,000 into the Roth IRA. You're 65 years old. You're over 59 and a half, right? You think you have access to everything in that account. The answer is no. You only have access to your contributions. Any earnings in that Roth IRA, you would have to wait until age 70 to take those dollars out. So start a Roth now. That starts your five-year clock, so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and it's the first Roth starts your five-year clock. Yeah. It's not every time you make a contribution. And so that's why even if you get a dollar into a Roth IRA, exactly. technically that works. You, you start your clock. Right. And of course, the next one is 59 and a half. We've already talked about that. That's when that's the age that you can withdraw money out of your IRA without penalty. What about age 60, Joe, for a widower? Collect Social Security. Yeah, that's the early stage you can do that. Yeah, you can collect Social Security at age 60 um, if you're a widow or a widower. Um, so there's confusion there with Social Security, of course, too. Most people think 62 is the earliest that you can uh, collect. Right. If you are a widow or a widower, you can collect those benefits um, at age 60. Right. And uh, as you mentioned, age 62 is when the rest of us that can collect Social Security. Not necessarily our recommendation, though, really, because you can collect it at full retirement age, which right now is age 66. You can collect it as early as 62 and as late as 70 or anywhere along the, the way. But just to give you a couple numbers here, if you collect it at age 62, it'll be 25% reduced what it would be at full retirement age. But if you wait till age 70, it'll be 32% higher than what it was at age 66. So here's a couple numbers. 2000 bucks is your is your full retirement age benefit. If you take it at 62, it's about $1,500 per month. If you take it at 70, it's over $2,600 per month. That's a big difference. That's an income stream that is guaranteed and indexed for inflation. 
It's huge, yeah. You got to take a look at when you can claim and what's going to be best for you. And uh, you know, pushing that thing out, Al, because of the taxation on Social Security, probably makes sense uh, for a lot of you to push it out because you get that eight percent delayed retirement credit, and only eighty-five percent of it is going to be subject to tax. And the state of California does not recognize that income as taxable income. That is true. And also, Joe, if you can afford it, pushing it out allows you to do some other tax planning, like maybe you've retired and you can start doing some Roth conversions, so you can take more control over your tax because any money you pull out of the Roth is going to be tax-free as long as you follow that five-year rule that you just mentioned. And the reason why we find that a lot of people don't do that is they don't believe they have much control over their taxes. And in fact, it's not really true. You actually have more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement, actually more so than any other time in your life. And you may not be getting this advice from your current advisors because generally your CPA tax preparer is focused on the current year of your taxes. Your financial advisor is looking at your investments. But there is a way to do this and do it effectively. It's to have a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. All right, we got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. We'll be back in just a second. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson here. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Alan Klopine. He is a uh, CPA. We work for a firm called Pure Financial Advisors. You can check us out online at purefinancial.com. Hey, Thursday night, Alan. Watching PBS and Nixon. They had this little special on oh, Richard really? Nixon. Okay, good. What'd they say? Well, they just kind of went through the whole... Um, you know, his beginnings and middle and his demise, I guess. Yes, the end. <laughs> the end, right? <laughs> right. And um, But what was going on back in the 60s? It's crazy time. Crazy, <laughs> man. I mean, I wasn't born then. But it's like uh, with the Vietnam War and all the protests and everything else. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, I was just a kid. I mean, in, in the 60s, what I was, I guess, when 1960 hit, I was three. So by the time the 60s were over, I was only 12 or 13. But still, I, I did soak up some of that. And the, uh, <laughs> the youth of the nation at that point were pissed at the Vietnam War and the establishment and this and that. And boy, it was a kind of a crazy time. Yeah. It's like, then you know, I'm watching that. And it's like, man, well, I guess, you know, people think, well, this is unprecedented. You know, with kind of the stuff that's going on sure. lately here with, yeah. you know, with Dallas and Florida. And, right, yeah. You know, but it's like, man, this crazy stuff happens all the time. It does. It, <laughs> it, well, I think we just forget about it yeah, in some Yeah, I mean, we had, we had the riots in Watts. Yeah. And it, was, it, it felt completely unsafe for a while. I remember when I was five years old, my parents told me there's a chance the Russians are going to bomb. The, you know, so, and it's like, really? <laughs> I mean, I, we haven't had that threat. I right. mean, we, we, we do have incidents of, of, of bombs that are, you know, someone's got on their body and they take out 10 to 100 people or sure. whatever. But, boy, I mean, to have a nuclear bomb coming and San Diego, Target, right? Military town. Right. And I was thinking, wow, I'm just getting started. I'm five years old. I don't get my life. <laughs> I kind of freaked out. Oh, but, you know, again, I think it's just kind of going back to the topic we talked about before the break. It's like, all right, well, you hear all this bad news and the, the, you, you think, all right, well, here, I got to go to a safe haven. I got to go to gold or I got to do different things with my money. But it, it's, it's never different. 
You know, it's it's just there's always going to be a crisis. There's yeah. always going to be something going on, and well, no one ever can predict when that's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, certainly different things happen, uh, but it, the the net effect is that there's always crises, what, whatever they may be, and we always get through them. And that's why if you just and this is what people tend to do uh, in in sort of what they think are unprecedented times is they get out of the stock market, they have a whole bunch of cash, they get a whole bunch of gold, and then they turn around five years later and their investments have done hardly anything and everyone else has a lot more. And it's like, you know what, sometimes if you just don't react to this stuff, at least from an investment standpoint, you do a lot better. But you know what, Joe, emotionally that's difficult. Right, and with the whole gold bugs, you know, and and we believe that you should have some precious metals in your overall portfolio. And yeah, and I and I believe you should have some cash too. Sure, I mean, we're yeah. not saying don't have any. But you, you got to take a look at how investments work. You know, you, all right. So, like a bond, for instance, how do you get paid in a bond? Well, a bond is a loan, so you give your money to a corporation. Let's say, if, if you want to buy a corporate bond, how you get paid on that is interest payments. So it's a loan, right? So you get interest payments. So you can say, all right, well here. I'm going to receive some interest payments along the way, and then if that bond is held to maturity, as long as that corporation is still in business, then I get my capital back. That's how you make money in the bond market. Well, how do you make money in real estate? Well, you've been a real estate investor for 30 years, right? You buy a piece of property, you get rents. Yeah. So you get appreciation of the home or the property or apartment building or whatever that you have. But more importantly, you get the rents coming from that if you have a, you know, a commercial property or even a single-family resident that you're renting out. Yeah, and you're probably not using all your own money, so you're paying down principal. And you get a tax benefit in some cases uh, in terms of a depreciation and a tax deduction. So then it's like, okay, well, those are two asset classes. All right, now I understand how that works. And then you look at stocks. Okay, well, why would I buy stock? Well, now you're buying future profitability of that overall organization. All right, so how you get paid in stocks is that, well, if I have a growth stock, well, hopefully they have more profits and that price will go up because they're more profitable and people will like to purchase that stock because they're trying to reap some of the rewards of the productivity of that company. Also, dividends. Right, so I could buy a company for dividends as well. So I got growth of the company, or they, they kick out dividends, that's income. Right, So looking at all of these different investments, it's like, all right, I understand kind of how all this stuff works. But then you look at gold, right? Well, gold is a metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I put gold in my safe, and it's a bar of gold, and let's say 10 years from now, I go open that safe, it's not like the, the, the gold is growing it's like still, size. still a bar of gold. It's still a bar of gold, right? So it's more of a speculative type of investment. There, it's like, all right, well, you're betting on someone who's going to purchase that bar of gold higher than what you purchased it for. Right, right. right? Because it's not growing. It doesn't kick out. It's not going to grow. Yeah, like a I, company will grow. Sure. A bond, you'll get interest payments. Real estate, you get rents. Gold is a bar, Right or nugget or whatever, and it's it's nothing more than what we call a hedge. Right, right? it's an it's an inflation hedge. Yeah, so in other words, if there's a lot of inflation, if everything's gone up in price, gold will probably go up in price too. Right. So then you'd think, all right, well, I want an inflation hedge, and we all want an inflation hedge. How is gold done over the long term? And if you go back. 30, 40 years, it actually has not even kept up with inflation. Barely, right? You know, a little bit under, but it's still keeping up somewhat. It's yeah. not, it, 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 so it, it, that's all it is. Yeah, an inflation hedge. That's right. It's yeah. not like here, and, I'm going to load up and make millions on gold. But the, the thing about gold, especially, I don't know, in the last decade, maybe before, but it's, there, it's such an emotional thing. 
It's like when the when the country when the, the economics are crashing, everyone wants gold, and the price of gold goes up, and then things get better, and the price of gold gets down. So there is this emotional component, but in terms of trying to figure out an expected return, because with bonds and stocks and real estate, you can compute an expected right a mathematical return. equation, right? You can, it, and that's not a guarantee. It's just an expected return, and you can plug that in. With gold, there is no expected return, right? Because there's no cash flow, there's no rents, there's right. no interest payments, right? Exactly, right. And so we're not saying not to have gold, but you got to be careful when you hear some of this stuff on uh, this radio station. Yeah, and others. <laughs> and others. Is that, hey, all right, well, here, maybe that I think, well, because of the election or because of this, I, I want to dive into gold and have more gold. Or real estate is always good, too, is that I, I'm a big fan of real estate, but you don't want to buy real estate because of this. Well, Joe, I can drive down the street and I can see that property. Right. How many times do we hear that? All the time. A stocks? I can't see the stock. I can't see the company, but I can drive down that street and see my house. Okay, well, you bought the house for five hundred grand. It's worth three hundred. <laughs> How does it look? It looks the same, right? Yeah. You might need to paint it now. Put more money into it. Right. So when things are bad, right, or when things are good, it, it, it makes no difference. You want to have a diversified portfolio of all of this. Yeah, you do. And and, and one side comment on real estate. Actually, the way that you can make a lot of money in real estate is leverage. Is leverage. You use other people's money. You put down 20% on a property. Million-dollar property, you put $200,000. Okay, and it goes up 5%. So it went up $50,000. So you made $50,000 on your $200,000 investment. So, you know, what's that? That's a 25% rate of return plus cash flow, right? So that's how you make money in real estate. But guess what? It goes when, the other way. When properties go down, <laughs> it nicks you twice as bad. In right. this case, eight. Four times as bad because you have four times leverage, and so you got this million-dollar property with an eight hundred thousand-dollar loan worth five hundred thousand, and now it's foreclosure. And if it's a commercial property, you personally guaranteed it. This is risky stuff. Right, can be, and I can tell you from experience, I've had great success and some terrible stories in real estate, and I still love the asset class. But it's not the panacea that the late night cable shows tell you it is. It's got a lot of risk involved. Right. Well, here, you know, I'm I'm 19 years old and I'm gonna flip this house. Remember those shows? Yeah, right. Until, like it was like popular 2006, yeah. seven, and then everyone's doing it and then blowing themselves up. Well, I did it way back in the 80s. I was what was I 20? I was like 29. Bought my first uh, fixer upper in Spring Valley. My first, and that was the end of that career. <laughs> right. That was awful. <laughs> And I could tell you stories there. I won't. It's just as harder than you think. Right. I mean, so each investment, the risk and expected return are related. So you have to take a look at each asset class that you own, how that particular investment or securities work, and then have a good working knowledge of that so then that you understand that there's no surprises in the overall portfolio. When markets do good, when markets do bad, you're not surprised that the portfolio is reacting a certain way. So, I mean, if you could imagine, you know, all of this, right? Your retirement game plan was just no longer about a number, just about these investments. Or imagine that if you could fill in all the gaps and have all the answers to a rock-solid retirement game plan that covered everything from A to Z. Imagine what kind of confidence out. Got to take a break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back to the show. Show's called uh, Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully you're enjoying the show thus far. Go to uh, yourmoneyyourwealth.com if you'd like more information about the show, about us, or purefinancial.com. We're a fee-only registered investment advisor. 
there's no commissions generated to our firm. We act as a fiduciary 100% of the time. We're fee only. Uh, there's no product sales. Uh, what we do is do financial planning advice, and we do that for a fee. Uh, so if you're looking for a fiduciary, uh, that is a financial planning firm, uh, check out purefinancial.com. A lot of word on the old fiduciary standard. Started the company about nine years ago. Correct. We'd say, well, we're a fiduciary. What, a fiduciary who? What? Yeah, and we get, oh, I'm so sorry. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why did you do that? <laughs> what happened to you? Uh, have you heard of the suitability standard? No? How about fiduciary? So it's good that the, the word is getting out there um, that more and more individuals are looking uh, to do uh, their financial planning or you know investment management business with a true fiduciary. Yeah, um, by the way, a fiduciary is a good thing. It's a good word. It basically means that we, as a firm and as, as advisors, have to look out for your best interest 100% of the time. Suitability standard, which is what non-fiduciaries are, means that as long as they sell you a product that's suitable to you, they're just fine. Is it the best product for you? May or may not be. It doesn't have to be. Fiduciary, you have to give the best possible advice for you. It's actually a really big deal. So, um, you have another quiz for me, or what are you doing? Well, I can continue, Joe. Um, go, we'll go back to the age. Uh, uh, numbers really matter in planning for retirement. We talked about turning 50 is when you can actually add more to your 401k uh, or to your IRA. $1,000 catch-up for IRAs, $6,000 catch-up for, for 401ks. 55, you can pull money out of your 401k if you're terminated from service without penalty. You still pay tax. 59 and a half is for the rest of us for our IRAs where we can pull money out without penalty. 60 for widowers is the earliest age they can collect Social Security. 62 for the rest of us can collect Social Security, although we generally suggest that you delay because you get so much more benefit. Joe, what happens at age 65? Think of medical. Oh, Medicare. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that layout. <laughs> I was thinking tax. I'm like, well, what the heck? Then nothing happens at tax at 65. No, you're right. It's Medicare. Medicare. So be careful with Medicare. You know what? Um, speaking of Medicare, I did a webinar with Dr. Katie. See, I, I queued yeah, you up. Yeah, huh? right. Good, good transition. <laughs> It's an hour-long webinar on Medicare. A lot of you, if you're close to 65 years old and you still need some education on Medicare, go to purefinancial.com. we got a, an hour webinar um, that I think would suit you just fine to at least spend a little bit of time to get um, knowledge on the ABCs of Medicare because there's certain time frames that you need to sign up for this stuff or else you're going to get a permanent penalty for the rest of your life. Isn't that weird? It's if, crazy. if you don't sign up for Medicare timely, then when you do sign up, you have to pay more for Medicare for the entire rest of your life? Right. Ridiculous. So that's on prescription drugs. That's on Medicare Part B. Right. Um, so be very, very careful. It's like, well, here, well, I don't need it because I'm still working. I'm still employed. No, you still have to look at the rules and you got to look at your own health care plan because Medicare could be the primary and then your employer plan could be secondary. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy rules and laws and um, things that you want to make sure that you get your arms around. Uh, it's not the most exciting topic <laughs> <It's not. laughs> at all, uh, but I sat through that thing and moderated so, the So how do, where, where do people go to get that? Go webinar. to Pure Financial. PureFinancial.com. Yes, then you can watch some fun videos there while you're at it. Yeah, pure P U R E. Yeah, not at the pier. Not pure. at the pier. Pure. 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 P U R E financial.com. Thanks, so. Al. That's, yeah, that actually is a good listen. I listen to that myself. For yeah, because well, you're close. For, <laughs> you're pretty close. I'm still in my 50s. Oh, well, not for long. <laughs>
<laughs> anyway, all right. So what happens? Uh, this is kind of a combo. Age 66, 67. Well, that's Social Security full retirement age? Yeah, that's full retirement age. We talked about that before, but uh, that's where you get your full Social Security benefit. But uh, realize you can take it as early as 62, but it's a lot lower benefit. In fact, it's about a 25% reduction in lifetime benefits per month and or per year. You know, and I think people have to take a look at this kind of this tax torpedo is kind of what our industry calls it. Um, in regards to your Social Security benefit in re, um, um, from the taxation of it, because you might think that you're in a fairly low tax bracket. But how Social Security works is that there's income thresholds, and then that will push your Social Security to be taxable. Um, either 50% of the benefit will be subject to tax or 85% of the benefit will be subject to tax. Right. And when people make more dollars or they pull more income, let's say from their 401k plans, that adds a dollar of income, but that also might push them into another threshold where another dollar of their Social Security that was not subject to tax is now, or 85% of that dollar is subject to tax. Right. So that puts people in these 25, 28% tax brackets when they thought they were in the 15% bracket. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. You're thinking, I'm, and I'm in the lowest couple brackets, I'm in 15%, but as you add another dollar of interest income or dividends or pension or whatever it may be, all of a sudden that makes more of your Social Security taxable. And what happens is that that dollar that you pay the 15% rate on, that you got another dollar of interest income, now another 85 cents of Social Security is taxable. Also. 15%. Right. So actually, mathematically, it works out to about a 28% federal rate for a certain zone for people that thought they were in the 15% bracket. Right. And it's based on provisional income. And what provisional income is, according to uh, the IRS, is that they'll take a look at half of the Social Security benefits. So let's say if I have a $20,000 Social Security income benefit, and then they'll use 10000 of that, right? So half of your Social Security benefit. And then they'll use your AGI um, with some Addbacks. So they'll look at pension income, 401k distributions. They'll look at um, dividends, interests, uh, even um, tax-free income from municipal bonds is added back. Right. Uh, the only that well, I mean, there's a, a couple, but the main income source that a lot of you have, um, that if you've been listening to the show in retirement, is a Roth IRA. So if you pull dollars from a Roth IRA, that is not included in provisional income. So some of the strategies that we've been trying to help you with over the years is doing Roth IRA conversions and getting more and more dollars into that Roth IRA because those dollars are not subject to tax. They don't even show up on the tax return. So when you're looking at Social Security strategies, when you're looking at creating that income, you could potentially keep yourself in these very low income brackets with high income. Um, and then you look at like the modified adjusted gross income limitations for um, Medicare premiums. Sure. Right? Because the more income that you make, the higher the premium that you're going to have to pay. And if you're taking money out of your Roth IRA, it doesn't count as income. It doesn't count. Income. It doesn't count. So you can keep those Medicare premiums very, very low as well there too. So there's so many different benefits when it comes to taxes. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And Joe, one fi final age would be 70 and a half. And that's where you have to take the required minimum distribution. And... Uh, if you don't take it, it's a 50% 
penalty. Right. And so getting your tax like house in order is key to keep more of your hard-earned money. Well, it is. And and it's it's really because taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. And that is a surprise to some people. They think, well, wait a minute, I'm going to not really pay many taxes in retirement. And that's not necessarily true when you've saved money into your retirement accounts. In fact, when you start tapping your retirement nest egg, you start having to pay ordinary income taxes many times at the highest rates, particularly if you have other income or a lot of money in these deferred accounts. So as you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever. But you must use a forward-thinking tax strategy because, honestly, you got more control over paying taxes in retirement, more than you think, actually more so than any other time in your life. 